Yeah, well, did you realise that um, in the 1930s that millions of people were being employed? Did you recognise that when you were walking around the streets? It's interesting you ask that, because I lived in a town where the unemployment was as high as Jarrow, and I believe you've just yes, been yes. doing the Jarrow March, haven't mm. you? Um, but because we lived in a nice area like this, uh, we didn't see it, only occasionally. But I do remember going through the town one evening in my father's car, and we saw children playing in the gutter. None of them had any shoes on. And from what was also happening, they didn't have any knickers on either. Oh. <laughs> and so you would get families where there would be one pair of boots, and they would share them. The children would share them. So I did see that. I do remember that. It really hit me very hard. Um, and also children with hair that had obviously never been combed. Very dirty. Very, very thin children. Because there was a lot of poverty in the town where I lived. And there was a lot of unemployment. Because there were 29 coal mines. And there were 30 odd cotton mills. And a lot of those were shut. So there was, there was just literally no work. In the middle of the town, I remember the miners, um, because they're all, they never re you never really got clean if you went down a mine. Your fingernails and your skin became like pitted with black. And the unemployed miners would be hanging around Woolworths, hanging around the pubs, um, having nothing to do. So yes, I did see poverty, but I luckily didn't experience it myself. This, so, in which town? Wigan. It's an industrial town in the north of England, near Manchester, near Liverpool. It's halfway between Manchester and Liverpool. They were much worse. They were probably much worse. When the war was happening, were you, where were you evacuated? I wasn't evacuated. Um, but we had evacuees come to our school. I remember a girl coming from Guernsey when the Germans occupied the Channel Islands. And uh, various people who came, who had relatives in Wigan, came from London, came from Birmingham, came from Coventry, to the town, settled in the town with the relatives, came to our school. And I remember going on guide camp with some of them, and one of them particularly had terrible nightmares. She would wake up screaming because she was reliving the bombing. People also came for rest and relaxation yes. from the raids. If they had a relative, they would come, come from, say, <coughs> come from Manchester or Liverpool for a weekend just to sleep because otherwise they were in the shelters all the time and you couldn't sleep very well. I have a picture in here, I'll show you afterwards, of people on the London Underground. They slept up the stairs of the escalators. And they slept on the platforms. You've probably seen the very yeah, famous yeah. pictures by Henry Moore of the sleepers. Um, when the evacuated children came to um, the house, the school, the school yeah, um, did you did you see any injuries that amused you? No injuries except, as I say, emotional trauma, mm -hmm. you know, coming out in the nightmares. And I think probably some of them were quite sort of fragile in the sense of, you know, easily crying, mm -hmm. uh, lots of minor illnesses, that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I think that's probably me looking back yeah. now, not aware of it at the time. What I was aware of at the time was the deaths mm -hmm. of... Uh, 
people's brothers. Oh. You see, people's brothers, and also the mistresses. One mistress was engaged twice, oh. and both of them were killed while I was at the school. And she wore, people wore a black armband, which you don't see now, but it carried on for many years after the war. You had a black armband, and that signified to people that you'd lost somebody near to you. So, of course, the whole school was very affected by this mistress who lost two fiancés. I mean, there was a couple of years between them, because she was uh, very pretty and very popular. <laughs> <laughs> and br brothers, definitely. And the, my next-door neighbour's son, he went down in the submarine near Japan. So, and so for a long time, he was posted. It, you've, got a you've got a telegram. Do you know what a telegram is? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Came with a boy on a bicycle. And uh, it, was, it was sort of yellow. And it was, it was dreaded because you knew that it was news. So there's always possibility of bad news. And uh, so she got a telegram, our next door neighbour, <coughs> to say that her son was missing, missing Billy killed. And it turned out, I mean, she didn't know for three or four years, actually, what had happened, but he'd gone down in this submarine. So, yes, I mean, that was quite near to one. Even though, I think, in the town, we only had three or four bombs. We did have a bomb uh, about 300 yards away from our house, just jettisoned by a plane going yeah. over. But it was the most terrifying thing. I mean, the windows of the houses went... And uh, after that, it made an enormous crater in the middle of the countryside. And it was very interesting, because for years afterwards, people on a Sunday afternoon took a, a walk out to look at this crater. Uh, because it was absolutely, if it had hit a house, I mean, it would have taken two or three houses with it. It was that big. So I was lucky. But I do remember going to the Blitz, going to Manchester, uh, and going to Liverpool on mornings after the Blitz either for hospital appointments or for uh, shopping. <clears throat> and it was a terrifying sight. And you've probably seen pictures of the Blitz. I've got a very good picture here of the Blitz. And this is what it was like. Um, there. That's what it was like. This is actually London and that's Winston Churchill. But that's what it was like. When we got, came out of the station, there was a smell of burning, horrible smell of burning. There were pipes everywhere from the firefighters, and there were fires still smouldering. I mean, there was just smoke. Smoke everywhere, grit everywhere, and this terrible smell. Um, so I was very lucky to be in a place where we were relatively well, so we were safe. Do you know um, many other people who fought in the war and, still are, and are still alive today? I don't know. I don't think I know anybody now who fought in the war. No, I don't. Um, were you? What was? What were, What was it you were thinking they would tell me? Um. Well, it will kind of tell you if the war was as horrible as it sounds like, that people would, thousands of people would be killed today, or if it was kind of like a legend that only hundreds of people would be killed today. So it shows that a lot of people fought. 
You see, a lot of the war at the beginning was on the home front. It was the bombing. The civilians took the casualties until you got the fighting in, at Dunkirk. But I mean, before Dunkirk, it was a civilian, and the, the government was afraid to tell how many people were being killed and injured. The, the figures were kept, partly, of course, because we didn't want the Germans to know what, <coughs> uh, what damage they were doing, but also because morale. And morale was very battered. I know people talk about the wonderful spirit of the Londoners, and that's true. But, I mean, you can imagine, day after day after day, you have to spend your night in the shelters, and the food isn't wonderful. And there's no entertainment, because the cinemas were shut until, you know, quite a long time. But in any way, it was too dangerous to go to the cinemas. Uh, you can imagine that people's morale did take rather a battering. Um, but, you know, the fighting, I mean, I think it was, a, it was terrible. The, the fighting was, was, was as bad as ever you can imagine it. I don't think we can imagine it. No, I, I think, think that's the truth of it. I mean, having heard this one bomb, which was unbelievable. I mean, just imagine what it's like when dozens and dozens are going off all around you. Catherine? And were anybody that was close to you or your friends, did that, do you know any of them that got killed? <coughs> just as I say, the next door neighbour's son, who I did know, and uh, the ones I've mentioned at school. Um, uh, yes, I mean, one was just very aware of people worried, anxious, uh, because their relatives were on the front line, or because they'd already, you know, suffered a loss. So it was in the newspapers, and uh, it would be on the radio, and uh, the local newspapers, and the church magazine. I mean, it was very much a culture of, of fear and anxiety. It was very high anxiety. Um, the, the, the classics are going to be studying um, the shopping at this time, and the, the shops, what were they like? Well, you see, rationing came in quite early. I've not got the date of it, but perhaps we could we yeah. can find that out. Uh, because in the First World War, you see, rationing didn't come in until very late, and the population suffered. So this time they brought it in very early. <coughs> and so you just, you had this ration book, you've probably seen them, with coupons in. Yeah. Well, we're doing the, the, the Second World War next term, so yes. you're, you're sort of leading right. a lot of it. Yes. Introducing yes. a great deal. Yes, well, I mean, do you want me to talk about shopping? Oh, well, no. Pre-war? Yes, if you want oh, to. Well, I can do, because <laughs> we went to Liverpool and Manchester, where we had big stores like John Lewis. Only, of course, they weren't as beautiful. <laughs> Uh, but they were big stores, and they uh, and uh, it was uh, very and there's some beautiful stores in Manchester, it's a sort of Harrods equivalent, and uh, the same in Liverpool. <coughs> and uh, so my mother and I would go on shopping expeditions when she or I needed a new outfit, um, which I think was quite unusual. Um, most people had to make do with the shops in the town. And we did have a very nice shop in the town, which eventually became a Debenhams, a big restaurant, um, all the different things in it. Um, uh, we had an enormous market, indoor market, which um, much, much larger than Watford Market, and it stood in the middle of the... Of the we, in, in, in the town was an enormous square, 
and on this square was this enormous building, very big, very high, and in it were, I should think it was about three times, four times the size of Watford Market, and it had everything. And then we had market days, and people really did bring in chickens, that they just, I mean, they were still warm. You bought the whole thing. I mean, they had taken the feathers off, but it had the head and neck and it had its feet. <laughs> and the farmers brought in eggs and they brought in vegetables. I mean, just as, but, but they would bring them on horses and carts. Oh, and I just got a very interesting picture here of how we got our milk, which I think you might be quite interested in. Um, here we are. And... Uh, so you didn't have to go shopping for your milk. The milk came round on this horse and cart here. <laughs> and really, it was like that. And if you were very lucky, the milkman would let you come with him. And I did it many times. And uh, he would take you round and he would let you deliver the milk. <laughs> and uh, it was very unhygienic because everybody put a jug out. That was cheaper. So people put a jug out. Bottled milk was more expensive. People put a jug out with a saucer on top. The milkman came, got the jug, went back to his cart. I mean, just imagine the dirt. He had a big scoop. He had a big churn. You, you know what churn this size. He would put his hand and arm in this churn with the scoop and he would fill the jug. And then he would take it back, put it by the doorstep with the saucer on top. So that was quite an interesting thing. My mother never really needed to do any shopping for groceries because the grocer came to the house, oh. sat down with her, and she would give him a list of all the things she wanted in her own home. And then he would send them. A boy would bring them. He had a big bicycle <laughs> with a great big basket in front, specially made, and he would bring the order. So if at 12 o'clock you discovered you didn't have any potatoes... My mother would go to the telephone, ring up the shop and say, could you bring over two pounds of, three pounds of potatoes? And the boy would come on his bicycle in ten minutes and you, there you had your potatoes for lunch. So she never needed to do any planning because if she forgot anything, she just rang up and got the boy to bring it. Nothing was pre-packed then, was it? Everything Nothing was pre-packed. Everything came. Uh, the uh, the um, grocer always put the sugar into blue bags and he was very clever he would have a piece of blue paper like this he would put in your half pound of sugar and he would wrap it up and he would make a parcel which was as neat as that uh, biscuits all came loose so they were always going stale um, good housewives didn't buy cakes they made them and they made them by hand because there were no mixing machines and it was rather sort of shameful to buy a cake. So people cooked a great deal. They made tarts and pies and puddings and suet puddings and pastry. And thinking now again about shopping, everything was, as you say, everything was loose. The rice, the rice, the, well, we didn't have pasta a, a lot. It wasn't something people ate a lot of. But all the things like... Even pepper, people would buy it loose. So there's no, there were no, 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 we had no rubbish, you had no cartons. And you took, if you went shopping, because my mother did occasionally go shopping, she would take her own shopping basket, or her own shopping bag. Um, 
But people who didn't have the facilities my mother had did have to carry everything back home. So you would see ladies by the bus stop, they would have two enormous shopping bags. Um, so was, uh, and you had to go shopping every day. Why did you have to do that? Because? Because they no went bridge. off really quickly. Yeah. And Everything went eat. off, that's yeah. right. And you had to eat them. You had. You had a pantry with a stone on it, and you put the stuff on the stone, and you hoped that it would not go off. So it was very hard work being a housewife because you had to cook a dinner every day because every, everybody came home from school for lunch. We all, the whole school went home for lunch. Oh. So every mother had to provide lunch at home. Now, there were some children who didn't go home for lunch. And this was a, a matter of shame because it meant they were too poor to, they were subsidised. They were given a free lunch by the town. And this was a terrible matter of shame because it meant that your parents could not afford to give you a lunch. But it was very necessary because probably it was only food the children had that day. That's how poor some of them were. I've got a... Rest, I've got a um, I, I read while I was thinking about coming here today what an ordinary child ate in a day. Uh, and said for breakfast they would have, it was bread and margarine and tea. For lunch it would be a, say, cabbage and potatoes and gravy. No meat. Uh, tea would be bread and butter again, perhaps with a beetroot or a tomato and tea. And supper would be cocoa. Now that doesn't sound very much, does it? But that's the sort of diet children were having in the 1930s where I lived in Wigan. And interestingly enough, when rationing came in, for the first time, people got better food than they'd ever had. In fact, the health of the nation during the war was very, very good because it was, there was very little sugar, there was very little fat, you got hardly any butter or margarine. So it was low sugar and low fat diet, which is what we're all told to eat today. And then the bread got browner and browner and coarser and coarser because they had to use more of the husk of the flour, A, to fill us up, and B, because it went further. And there was a, a shortage because lots of our wheat came from Canada. And of course, it, it, uh, you know, during the early 40s, it didn't reach us because of the submarines. So we were almost eating wholemeal bread. And there were lots of potatoes, and everybody dug up their lawns to grow vegetables. But in the 1930s, that we're most interested in, uh, the diet was appalling. Mm. It was appalling. Children had rickets, which is a nasty disease where your legs grow, and you get like beads around the end of your ribs. They had scurvy because they didn't have, ever have fresh fruit. Yeah, but scurvy. Yeah, oh, yeah. sorry. Oh, you can yes. black. Yeah. 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 Yes. There was a lot of tuberculosis, which, is, is, which came in the milk mainly, though it was still bad. A lot of my contemporaries at school had very nasty scars on their necks where they had had tuberculous glands. It means the glands in your neck. You know when you have a sore throat, yeah. the gland gets very sore. Well, if you ingest milk with TB, you get them under the arm, you get them here, you get them 
there <clears throat> and they get bigger and bigger and then it's like a boil it like bursts and it tracks to the outside so they would have these horrible scars on their neck and sit in the class looking you know, <laughs> with several children all with these dreadful scars you never see them now because no. milk is TT tested, pasteurised and, and regulated but it was very common um, can you compare, could you compare your house to any other place here? Not in the school, but, like, what was it like, your house? Very similar to houses around here, very similar. Um, <coughs> um, I think houses in the north of England are a bit bigger, because the land is cheaper. Um, Semi-detached, built in the 1930s, very much the same style. You know, two rooms downstairs and a kitchen, bath and a loo downstairs, three bedrooms, bathroom and loo, garage, oh. garden. So you were quite well off. We were quite yeah, well off. We were lucky. Yes, <laughs> we were lucky, yes, quite well off. But I think if you want to get an idea of what an industrial town is like, think Watford. Think of the little streets in Watford, two up, what you call two up, two down. They're called two up, two down. But think dirt. Think the smoke from factories and mines. Think of fogs so thick that I couldn't see you. That's how thick they were. They were, they were yellow. And uh, they, were, they were caused by the fact that everybody in the town had a coal fire. That was all we had to heat the houses with. We had electric fires, of course. Central heating, very, very rare. Um, didn't come in really until after the war. So everybody was shoveling coal on the fire. Well, you can imagine, you know, Smoke. 20, 40,000 chimneys. On a morning like this, you would, not, you would not be able to see across this room. It came into everything. The lace curtains would be black within a week. And sometimes when you wash them, they disintegrated because of the sulfuric acid in the air, which had rotted them. If you went out of the town, the town was in a dip. There were sort of slight hills on. If you went into the town and you stood on this hill, over the town was an enormous pile of this dirty yellow black smoke. There was a constant war against dirt. It was constant. Um, you wore a blouse for a day, it looked as though you'd been down a coal mine. Oh, gosh. So people, the men had, with, had collars that came off. I forget what you call them. They, um, detachable, detachable collars that came off. These were like cardboard and they went and another sent them to the laundry because it was so difficult to get them clean. And some people used to have detachable cuffs as well. <laughs> because of the dirt, you see. Uh, it was so difficult otherwise. Um, and uh, the washing. The washing. Now, we had a wash house. Uh, unbelievable thing. A wash house. And we had a char lady who came to do the wash. Because that was... Uh, uh, Women from poor homes tried to make some money by coming charring, coming washing, doing things, taking in washing, doing things like that. Because 
there was so little employment for working class women. So we had a washerwoman who came, she came on a Monday, we had this wash house, we had a, a boiler which was like about that size, this was the bath, this connected up to a gas jet, you lit the gas jet underneath the boiler, the gas jet heated the water, you put your clothes in the water, and this poor washerwoman had a big thing called a dolly, which she did up and down like this. It's a great big wooden thing. You'll see them in museums now. It's got three little legs. She bashed it up and down. She had a scrubbing board like the Beatles used to play, you know. Have you ever seen scrubbing boards, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Yes. A great big scrubbing brush. And I don't think there was such a thing as soap powder, because I remember she had great big bars of yellow soap. She would rub this soap on and then she would rub, yellow. rub. And you really... Yellow. Yellow, yellow. yellow. yes. It was yellow soap. Yes, great big bars of yellow soap. No washing powder, so it was terribly, terribly hard work. Especially as all the clothes were black. Do you ever feel sorry for this washerwoman doing all the work? <laughs> <laughs> it, only in retrospect. I mean, she was delighted to do it because it was money. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see. So, I mean, my yeah. mother was a philanthropist, really, yeah. <laughs> at the same time getting her washing done. She didn't have to do it. She did uh, have to do it. She had to do stuff. Yeah, she probably did yeah. have to do it because she of the poverty, you see. There's a, a difference between having bread and butter and, and nothing. Better Marge, actually. Yeah. Did you see any German planes in the sky? Did I see any German planes? Like, throughout the night? Yes. Um, only this one that came by, yes. What did it look like? Well, well I didn't see it. It was dark. Oh, and yes. we could hear it. You can did hear it. Did it have a light? It was very loud. They didn't have lights then. Oh. No, not like aircraft, no. It came no. very loud. Terrible. Could you hear the siren? Oh, yes, the siren used to go, yes. And we would all... We'd be in school, the siren would go, and we had shelters in the... You had to shut the window so you couldn't see any... So they couldn't see any lights, is that true? We had blackout. Yes, yes. blackout. Yes. Why? Yes. Uh, because... Um, <laughs> oh, too. So no, everything was blacked out. Yes. No one was... Yes. Um, what was it like in the dark when you didn't know what was happening? Without oh, the blackout. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, uh, it was very alarming. Um, uh, it was a lot of road accidents, of course because you had shielded headlights. <laughs> and uh, they, you, if you walked along with the torch, the warden would shout, put out that light! And he would come round and knock on your door and say, I've got a chink of light. It was, it was tough. I can Why weren't you allowed lights? Oh, we, we haven't done the Second World War no, yet. No, you see, we're getting on to... Yes. But no, yeah. that's all right, yes. because when we do start the Second World yes. War, yes. This will all fall into place, which is very good. So, so was this the time when the Nazis came? Yes. Yeah, because I'm reading a book and it's called The Silver Sword, and it's about the Nazis, and it says that, um, so you were um, in a quite um, a nice area to yes. live in, because mm -hmm. the book's got that, there was rubble everywhere. Yes, like that yeah. this picture here. Yes. Well, but go back to the lights. Why do you think they wouldn't want lights? Yeah, because the German planes could see. And then um, he'll yes. see that people are alive and drop a bomb. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, well, it's kind of two questions into one. What, how was school different when the war started? And what type of punishments would you get, like the cane or something? 
everyone no. else except us. Would you get fed to camps? Would you get like sent to camps? What sort of camps? Um, like, no, would you get punishments? Yes, well, I, I, I have to go back a little bit. Um, when I was seven, I came to a school like this. But before I was seven, I went to our local Church of England school, which was like the sort of local school. You see, people didn't travel to school in those days. You walked. I walked four times a day to school. So it was about two-thirds of a mile each way. So I walked two-thirds times four. And, but I was probably the furthest. Most people just lived around the school. There was no travelling because you didn't need to. And at that school, it was... Um, I mean, thinking back, it was an excellent school, but the teachers were asked to do too much. I think there probably been 45 and 50 children in the class. But we all sat in rows, and we all sat like that. And what I now realise is that this teacher never touched any of the middle-class children. Ah. But she beat the living daylights <laughs> out of the working-class children. She had a great big strap. Oh. And she would say, oh. put up your hand, and she would Back give them. Leg. I mean, it was terrible. Oh. I know, I had that when I was there. Yes. Did you yes. have it once then? So I never know, because oh. she, didn't, she didn't touch the children. Who, besides, also, we were so terrified <laughs> that we didn't, you know, we just sat there like that. <laughs> and we did as we were told. So, but, but the boys, they, but, but I mean, at other schools, boys got hit on the, on the backside with canes, which did swish, and they did hurt. They were terrible. They would have stripes across their bottom when they took their trousers. Oh. Well, some of them, they took their trousers down to be hit. So it was quite brutal. Oh, and then they lovely. did sit children in the corner as well to shame them and put a dunce's cap on. I have seen that. Oh, gosh. Yes, I have, yes, you did that once. But only once. Yes. Um, at school, did you have any best friends in the world? In the world? Yeah, well, well, just well, best friends. Just best friends, yes, yes. Because, you see, everybody played together outside in their own gardens but because uh, I lived in a little cul-de-sac you know it's just no cars don't know hardly so we we play in the road we play hopscotch yeah, in the road in the book yes and we skip we do skipping and sometimes we do that in the gardens but or we go to one house or another house but often we all just gathered up together in in the road and we would play uh, we had roller skates didn't always came off they never fitted, and bicycles were very important. We'd go all over the countryside with bicycles. I mean, you couldn't do it now because there were no, there were no cars. There were no cars on the road. And we'd go, we'd go out onto footpaths, and we would go out to the railway line, and we would um, climb trees, and we'd go into brooks, and we'd go into tunnels. In fact, I'm, I'm amazed, looking back, that none of us had any accidents or got killed or came to any other sort of harm, because we just roamed uh, all over the place for hours at a time. Our mothers didn't know where we were, and, but it was all quite normal. Um, how old were you when um, you 
Awards started. I was born in 1931, so in 1939 I was eight. <clears throat> and of course we didn't go to school because the school didn't have any shelters. But because everybody was so local, the teacher gathered in, in, in she went two hours to somebody's home and did six children there. And then I remember she came to us from 11 to 1. She came to us for two hours and we all, the six of us, and then uh, I don't know what she did for lunch, but then she went up in the afternoon and she did another six. Because this was a private school by then, a school like this. And so there were only about 18 of us in the class. So she gave, she gave uh, three lots of lessons each day. It must have been very hard for her. And that lasted about 10 or 12 weeks until the school shelters were built. And then we all went back to school just as normal. But you always had to take your gas mask. Always. What do you think of the gas masks? Well, we know now they were useless. <laughs> but at the time, they were like a security blanket. Why? Um, so, um, in case there was like a gas bomb, you'd have something so that would... Yeah, why is it useless now? Well, no, now we know that they would have been no use yeah. against the gases that were going to be used. But in fact, we never had a gas attack, did we? No sign um, used it in this Um. Did you have any, did you see or hear or um, did you have any embarrassing moments at school, cheesy or naughty? to have a, it available. So fashions didn't really change for years on end. Um, colours might change, but um, one of the things that people who like sort of the families you came from, they would have a winter coat, and you needed that because it was very cold, and then the next year that winter coat went into second place and you got another one. So you had one for best and one for the week. <laughs> and the same with hats. You always wore gloves. And ladies never went out without a hat. So when my mother went into town to shop, it was a palaver. So there's hat and gloves and handbag and the shoes and the hat and the gloves all matched. People love that. Um, hats were, were marvellous, actually. Hats were delightful. Um, they didn't annoy you? No, I mean, I used to wear hats, you see. I mean, hats have only gone out relatively recently. Yes, that's true. Hats and gloves. But my mother would, I mean, I mean, my mother would have 20 hats. You know. <laughs> She'd have a hat for every occasion, winter and summer. And it was a great occasion when you went and bought a new hat. You know, there's a wedding or something, there's, uh, you could have a new hat. Um, would you, um, sorry, um, would you enjoy um, listening to music or was there like a person who would say, you know, always make everyone's spirit lift up? Um, we, uh, I mean, gramophones, I was just thinking, you know, the 78, you see, it had a seven, we had a 78 gramophone player, which was always breaking down, <laughs> always. 
I mean, I think probably that was uh, a true, you know, the technology hadn't developed. Uh, so it had 78 records, and um, of course you know how long they play for. Oh, this, you know what that is? That's the you know speed. 78? Yeah. That's the speed. Yes. Yeah. That's the speed. I think you probably get um, 1 minute 50 seconds, or two, 2 minutes 20 seconds yeah. for the big one. And then there were the little ones that, you know, where you say had a hit. We just had a hit. Um, so, I mean, again, uh, you know, some of those were sixpence or a shilling, which in it's, I can't equate that to present-day money. It doesn't mean a lot of money. So but it was a lot of money. Mm. I mean, if a man's earning 28 shillings a week, you can't go out and buy a shilling record, can you? No. Who did you like listening to? Um, well, we had classical music. Yeah, yes. yes, we had classical music. But on the radio, of course, you've got, you know, people like Vera Lynn and Shelton, Al Bobby. So it was normally like you instrumental. Know. Yes, you've got the bands, the big bands, Ambrose. Um, and, but of course, the big thing was going to the cinema, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I remember when Snow White came, 1938, and the whole town went. The whole town was absolutely taken in with Snow White. I mean, it was like... Well, it was like the end of the war, really. I mean, it was such excitement. Um, well, I mean, it, it really was, because it, A, it was animated, and I don't think there'd been much in, of animation before that. It was in glorious Technicolor, and uh, my mother brought, bought me a wonderful snow white cloak, which was black velvet lined with yellow, which pointed up all the way around like this. And uh, I remember I had a, a pot... I had Sleepy and Droopy and Sleepy, you know, pots, little pots of all the dwarfs yes. that people collected, yes. Um, and uh, I guess there were Snow White dresses, so I, I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. Though it, that was quite low-key. I mean, there wasn't the, there wasn't the uh, hype you get today with all the, the different logos and T-shirts and things like that. T-shirt hadn't been invented. Did you have any brothers that went out to war? No, I didn't. My brother was, wasn't old enough. He's a bit older than me, but not old enough. Um, well, I think we could do uh, maybe just one very quick question each, because we're, we're nearly finishing. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. I don't think you realise how wonderful the, um, the, the cinema was, or at Korea. It was wonderful. Yeah. It, it changed three times a week, the cinema programme changed three times a week. There were long, and people would go three times a week to that cinema. There were cinemas everywhere. Um, some of them were called flea pits, and nice girls like you wouldn't be allowed to go to them because they were flea pits. <laughs> and a flea, you know what a flea is? It's a little insect that lives on, lives, lives off your blood. And they were very common. Um, what were your favourite um, toys to play with during the war? Well, no, I'm talking about before the war. Oh, before the war. Oh, yes. yes. Um, uh, doll's house, roller skates, bicycle, bears, and a politically incorrect doll called a gollywog. Yeah. <laughs> a gollywog. <laughs> a gollywog. It's a little teddy um, bear that's very, it's black, and it, um, it's a big eye. And he was about this size, and he had a face totally round with, with ringlets, black ringlets, and a bow tie. Blue top, and we used to collect the brooches from Robertson's jams. You've probably seen them in antique fairs or museums even. Yeah. You sent up the the bits, 
from the jams and the jellies, and you got a gollywog brooch. And there were a whole lot of them. People collected 12. The same thing for Typhoo tea. They put in things to collect. So collecting things was in jellies, toilet rolls, Typhoo <laughs> tea, coupons off this, that and the other. It was great fun because you could get all these different things. Yeah. My grandma's got a and she still has it there. Yes. Yes. Does she? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it, uh, that's right, because they don't have them now. No, no, but they're no. very, very popular. They were very popular. Yes. All right, I'm going to have to sort of draw... We could chat it when we go and have a cup of tea and have more yeah. chatting. Yeah. Um, and have you got to show some of the pictures? There's the, there's the gas mask. There's the gas mask. And there was one for a baby. There was one for a baby. Oh. It's a terrifying thing. Oh. That's really scary. Yes. I think these are evacuees, aren't they? Why did they have those again? Look, when children have, like, gas masks. There we are. They're sleeping on the, um, they're the sleeping on there. When people um, had gas marks put onto their face, but did they feel, like, really scared? No, no. They were fine. Yeah. My friend in my old school, she brought in a gas mask, like a Mickey Mouse one. Yeah, Mickey Mouse. 